but I, I absolutely don't think uh, that, that there's, that there's just one platform. I, I think in today's world, it's smart for you to do video, you know, the more ands that you can put on there, if you can do video and audio and written, um, then the better. Uh, but uh, understanding that a lot of the people that flock to this kind of message are in an early stage business and they don't necessarily have the, the resources to do that. Um, just start, start with the one that you're most comfortable with. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Hey, hey, welcome, storytellers. I'm Dan. I'm your host, your librarian, your guide through this journey of storytelling. Man, I love story. I love it so much. And this interview that you're coming up uh, on listening to is another great conversation. And he's a storyteller, and he believes in story just as much as I do because it connects us. In fact, that's the whole basis for his book that we're going to talk about on, on this conversation. So you're in for a treat. Before we get to that conversation, though, a reminder to go to the website for everything you need to know, thestorytellersnetwork.com for past episodes with amazing storytellers, links to resources to help you tell your story better, and contact information for me, if you so desire. So now for the show, James Carberry is the founder of Sweetfish Media, which is actually a done-for-you service that guarantees new relationships between B2B companies and their ideal clients. Basically podcasting. It's awesome. Go check it out. He's also an author and a TEDx speaker. So James's book, Content-Based Networking, How to Instantly Connect with Anyone You Want to Know, is great for anyone looking to grow in their career, in their network, especially storytellers. So are you sold? You ready for this? Let's get to James' stories. James Carberry, welcome to the Storytellers Network. Man, I'm so excited to have you on board. Uh, how, how are you, man? I am fantastic, Dan. Thank you so much for, for bringing me on. I, uh, yeah. we, we've known each other from afar for a bit, so it's fun to, to, uh, to sit down and, and jam on you with, uh, about this. I'm always surprised when people say something like that because I feel like I follow a lot of people and I connect in my mind like with people. But when, 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 when you say, yeah, we've known each other for a while, like, wow, that, okay. I'm making an impact. So thank you for that. Yeah. So James, you're, you're a TEDx speaker. You're a podcaster. You're an author. You're a business owner, an entrepreneur. Do you also consider yourself a storyteller? Uh, Absolutely. Awesome. But I would argue that I I think, uh, what was it? Um, Is it Daniel Pink's like to sell is human? Um, Basically saying everybody's in sales. I think everybody's a storyteller. So um, I don't, I don't, call myself a storyteller because I think it's, you know, uh, because I, I think I'm awesome and that other people suck. It's, I, I just, I genuinely think everybody's a storyteller. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's my two cents on it. Yeah. So, so if we are all storytellers and, and, and I agree with you, um, but, but if we think about that and in that sense that we're all storytellers in some way, we're all in, in sales as Daniel would say, uh, how, when did you kind of realize that like you could turn that into part of your professional world also? Yeah. So, um, so I want to, in the, in the book, I talk, uh, about a story early in my kind of professional career, 
where I was a part of a group that had won a sweepstakes. It's one of those yes. things where you like watch, uh, you're watching football and it's like text, you know, 4732 to 1-800-ALL-TELL and you can win an all-expense trip to blah, blah, blah. Well, my roommate's brother-in-law won that sweepstakes and got to take him and nine friends to a professional football game of his choice. Went on a private jet to New York City to watch a Giants-Cowboys game. Got to hang out with Barry Sanders, watch the game in a suite right next to Jerry Jones. It was like this unreal experience. And there's this guy named Jeff that was with us the entire day. Now, he wasn't a part of our group. He was there on behalf of Altel organizing all the logistics. I just really hit it off with Jeff while we were there. We talked you know, talk about faith, talked about family, talked about business. And uh, I was 23, 24 years old at the time and just really connected with him. Ended up talking to him more than I talked to anybody else. And fast forward a year and a half uh, later, I, you know, I find out that he's the CEO of this global logistics company in Orlando, Florida. I'm just this small town Oklahoma kid, had no clue, you know, what, what, <laughs> you do what? Um, so a year and a half later, he offers me a job. I move across the country and uh, end up in Orlando. And I'm doing helicopter logistics for NASCAR for this guy's company. That's and crazy. Um, he ends up mentoring me for the next three years. And that single relationship with Jeff changed the trajectory of my, my entire life. I'm an entrepreneur today in large part because of Jeff's influence. Uh, I met my wife in Orlando where I wouldn't have been had, had he not like asked me to come and work for his company in Orlando. Um, and so I just noticed the power of that, that one single relationship literally changed my entire life. And so when I started the business, I started thinking, man, the that that one relationship was so powerful, but it happened kind of serendipitously. It, it happened by accident, really. It fell in my lap. Who wins the sweepstakes and ends up, you know, meeting right. this guy that can change your life? But I thought, what what can what if I approached business, understanding that relationships are incredibly powerful and can literally change the trajectory of a business, just like they can change my life personally? What if we started? Uh, intentionally creating relationships with the exact type of people that we know can push our business forward. And so that's how we ended up figuring out, oh, well, if we start a podcast about our buyer persona and, and their mm. expertise and their wisdom, uh, then we could interview them about that. And even though we don't know much about B2B marketing at all, we could interview B2B marketers about it. And through the course of those collaborations, build genuine relationships with the exact people that could end up buying our podcasting service. And so that's how it all started. And then uh, just recently decided to codify uh, the, that system, the, the relationship first, like using content collaboration as a method of building relationships you know, into what we call content-based networking. And, and, uh, and so that's, that's how it got from you know, a small town Oklahoma kid winning a sweepstakes to, to where, where we're at today. And how powerful is telling that story and storytelling in general to getting the word out about your book and about your, your service and everything else? Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, I've, people just connect with story and that sweepstakes story is, really compelling because it's unique and I've, you know, honed it uh, over the, you know, doing interviews and doing the TEDx talk and writing about it in the book. And so um, I, I think you start to figure out what are the parts of the story that people kind of like, oh man, or you, you can tell like when somebody's engaged and then you tweak a little bit and like, okay, I want to spend a little bit more time here uh, than, I, than I do on this part of the story. I can kind of fast forward through that part because it seemed like people were disengaged. But the story is everything. I mean, if, if, if people aren't connecting with the story, then, then nobody's going uh, <laughs> to want, nobody's going to want to, you know, 
work with us as a business. Nobody's going to, um, you know, if, if they don't see something about some, something that they want in, in the story that you're telling. And so, uh, so I think it's, I think it plays a huge part. Yeah. Now as a Michigander, when you talk about Barry Sanders being there, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like that's amazing. <laughs> and, I, and I'm a hockey guy. Yep. But still Barry, Barry freaking Sanders. Barry Sanders. <clears throat> that's awesome. What He's is it? Very small man. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. I feel yeah. like, yeah, but I, I feel like it. if he like jumps up, he just would oh take God. you. Right? Yeah. He could lift it. He could lift a house probably. Yeah. So what is it? Do you think that the lesson is between, cause, cause I, I, I can see a lot of people ignoring Jeff. Yep. Right. And like, Oh, Barry's amazing. I want to hear all his stories. Yep. How, how can we make sure that we're not doing that in the world that we're not yeah. looking at them, you know, yeah, for me, that's a great question, Dan. For me, it was, um, I, I personally was more captivated by Jeff than I was Barry because I, even before starting a business, even before, before pursuing entrepreneurship, um, the, the, the idea of connecting with somebody that had built a business uh, was very intriguing to me. So when I found out pretty early in the day that Jeff was the CEO of this business, it just instantly sparked a genuine curiosity in me, you know, yeah. ab about his journey, what he had done. Um, there's some of it that's, that was not, I, I wish it was something that I, you know, proactively and intentionally did. I do it a little, I'm more intentional about it now than I was back then, but there's a part of it. It's just like, it was my, in my hard wiring to be curious and to ask a lot of questions. Um, but to, to do it with somebody that I, I, I don't know, I was just more interested in. It sounds weird to say that you're more interested in the business guy than in the, like, what is he, the all time rushing leader of, right, <laughs> for, the, right. for the NFL. Um, but, uh, but, but I do, I, I, I think that it's a, the takeaway there is press into what you care about it might have been a smarter move if somebody else on that trip who was interested in getting in, you know, doing something professionally in sports, not necessarily being the athlete, but maybe being an agent or, you know, being on the marketing side of sports, it would have been a smarter move for them to hang it, to spend more time with Barry, to try to get to know Barry more. Now the reality of, you know, everybody kind of wants a piece of that guy's time. And so there's, you have to think through that, but I don't think that necessarily prescribing and saying like what I did was the right thing for everybody. It was the right thing for me because, you know, you had enough awareness to know that, uh, that this is the thing that I care more about. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to double down there um, where I do think that there's a, I, I see a lot of people approach content-based networking and they think about like, okay, who are the, who are the people that I want to collaborate with? And they instantly go to like, like, oh, I want to interview Gary Vee, or oh, I want to interview right. Grant Cardone, or oh, I want to interview Marcus Sheridan, mm -hmm. or uh, like these prolific kind of thought leaders in whatever space they're in. And instead, I, I, I like to slow them down a bit and go, wait a minute, like, what's your goal here? What are you trying to do? Well, I'm trying to, you know, grow our revenue from 1 million to 5 million. Um, okay, well, if you're trying to grow revenue, who, who is the who are the people you need to know that can actually help move the needle? It's probably, maybe it's referral partners. Maybe it's uh, actually your buyer. Like who, and, and so now you start to go, okay, who is that? And for us, it's a VP of marketing at a B2B SaaS company with 50 plus employees. So having that clarity then allows us to go, okay, now that we know who our people are, 
what is the content that we can create with this specific person that that makes them that makes them the hero that mm. showcases their expertise and their know-how and uh and by and that that's how we structured the book is goals people and content so you first have to get clear on your goals then you get clear on who are the people that can actually help move the needle toward what my goal is and help me get there um, while i lift them up along the way and then what's the content we can create together so that we can build those genuine friendships yeah i love that you want to make them the hero yeah. Like that's been such a, a thread throughout conversations is that it's not yeah, about are you, you. Are you, a, are you a, um, are you a story brand Donald Miller fan? Love, love Donald Miller. Absolutely. That, that's, that's probably one of the biggest things that I've gleaned from him is um, you are not the hero. Right. <laughs> as much as you think you are, um, you are not. And <laughs> Don't we ever. <laughs> yeah. And the more, the more we can focus on, uh, making uh, making our customers, making our potential buyers the hero of the story that we're telling um, and us kind of playing that guide role, uh, the, the better. And so that, that's that been very transformational for me as I've studied storytelling and have really kind of gotten into it and figuring out like what's our company's narrative. And um, it's just so natural, man, to, to, to default into us being the hero and like right. why we're awesome. But for a strategy like this to work, um, you have to be willing to kind of hand that cape uh, mm. or that crown, so to speak, of of being the hero uh, to the person you're trying to connect with. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we 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 feel like I think we feel like so often we have to pat ourselves on the back to show that we're awesome instead of just yeah. here's the awesome people that we love to make heroes. Yeah, right. Like that's yep. a it's a it's such a, a huge difference, but a slight change. Yeah. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about uh, how to instantly connect with anyone you want to know. I love yeah. that subtitle to the yeah. content-based networking book. Um, if I'm a storyteller, whether let's say, let's, and this can be in any form or fashion. It can be a professional marketer. It can be a business owner. It can be an author. Yeah. But let's maybe think about like uh, author type storytellers. How can I use content-based networking to get my story out there? What, what advice would you give someone? Yeah, so I would say for, for an author that is, uh, that's thinking about using this, I would, I would think about going back to what, what I shared a little bit earlier, what is your goal? Is your goal that you wanna speak at more conferences? Is your goal that you wanna do more bulk book buys in large organizations? So you want Fortune 500 companies buying 2000 copies of your book. Um, so I would get very granular about what is your goal. And so let's say, cause I know a lot of, a lot of authors that are pursuing speaking gigs. Mm -hmm. So I would say if, if an author has that goal, a, a tangible actionable thing for you to do next is to identify conference organizers, people that actually choose the speakers for these conferences. And to my knowledge, I don't know of anybody that's doing this yet. I've shared it with, with a few different people and nobody's taken me up on it. But if you, uh, if you were to start some sort of ongoing publication, whether it's a blog, a video series, a podcast, a virtual summit, whatever, and you went out and interviewed uh, people that organize and put together these conferences and you made it a show completely about the ins and outs of hosting and organizing a conference. It, that topic has nothing to do with what your book is about. And that is completely okay mm -hmm. because 
you are making the people that you know you need to know to map to your goal uh, the hero of the story that you're telling. And so instead of making it about whatever, if your book's about some sales methodology or whatever, the, 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 the publication, the content you're creating is not about that. It's instead about how do you put on the, the most epic conference of all time? And lo and behold, you start creating that type of content with those people. Uh, you're going to achieve the goal of getting a lot more speaking gigs because you're going to look up after 50 episodes and have 50 relationships with conference <laughs> organizers that you featured on your show. And I bet a good chunk of those people, if you've genuinely built a relationship with them and nurtured that relationship with them, are going to say, hey, like, why don't we have you come to our conference? Oh, well, that's a novel idea. What, uh, it's funny how that worked out. So they instead of, yeah, it's, it's, it's reverse engineering serendipity. And instead of depending on serendipity and hope to get us where we want to go, I just think we can be a lot more intentional about it. Now, that's not to say that every person that you bring on to your show to talk about hosting an epic conference, you're going to hard sell them into bringing you on as a speaker. That's not how this works. I've got almost, I have a fear of people using it that way and, and ruining it for a lot of other people that have good intention. But um, if you, it's, it's, this isn't just like some veiled disguise to get what you want. You actually have to uh, make the other person look awesome and create a great piece of content that is going to that is going to be great for them. That means you have to be curious, you have to be thoughtful, you have to be uh, in, intentional about what is what is going to make this a huge win for this person. How can we make this piece of content something that they can show their boss that they're proud to show you know other colleagues in the space. Um, and right. in doing so, you're adding immense value to them. And the value that you're getting in exchange is a relationship with that person. And we all know that that, uh, that life is like, like that opportunities come to those that, that that have relationships with the right people. It's it's not what is it? It's not what you know. It's who you know. Um, you know all those common tropes about uh, you know people. The people that have the relationships are the folks that are winning. And right. this is just this is just a framework to reverse engineer who who those relationships are with instead of just hoping that you stumble into the right relationships, you can actually purposely create them. If you can only a Zig Ziglar, if you can only help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want. Yep. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So I look at B2B growth and we've helped, you know, we've, we've done interviews with over 1200, you know, B2B SaaS marketers at 50 plus employee companies and because of that, we've built a really good size business because yeah. that's our exact, that's our buyer persona. So we feature them on B2B growth. We promote their content. We make them look like the hero. We form genuine relationships with them in the process. And on the back end of that, when they want to do a podcast themselves, we're the first people that they reach out to. Right. And so um, it, it's not, it's, it's not a slimy, sleazy, um, what's, I, I, there's a, there's a saying that I've heard a uh, uh, Trojan horse is what I've heard a lot of people say. I, I don't like that phrasing because it implies that it's sneaky and it impl right. it, it implies like it implies a de deception, um, and that's not at all what you're doing. Uh, yeah. But the natural byproduct of having relationships is that they are actually going to want to help you. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just don't think, Dan, I, I don't think we use the term friendship in business enough. But friendship has literally built 
our business because we've done all these collaborations. We've turned these people into friends and who doesn't want to help their friends win. And if they're looking to do a podcast and we're a podcast, you know, a a podcast agency, (laughs) uh, I want to help my friend win. And so let's, let's, let's do business together. So if we go back to the, this idea of author speaker helping, um, event planners, uh, are you like, in my mind, there's, there's two ways to go about this then. And tell me like what, what might be the way to go. Either I interview event planners and ask them what makes them do what they do and how to create a great event. So they inspire other event planners or, do I try to figure out what matters to them? Are, if they're my buyer persona, how do I figure how to teach them and educate them on how to make a better event? Like that's two different ways to look at it, I feel like. Yeah. Right. But it sounds to I, me like you're saying interview them, make them the hero. Yeah, interview them, make them the hero. If they're an event planner, they probably know a thing or two about event planning. Right. And the more specific and granular you can get with them um, as you're planning whatever content you're creating with them to get them to hone in on a specific element of event planning where they've like, they have their own way of doing it, or they've got a very specific point of view on how to do event registrations, hmm. figuring out as you're trying to figure out what the content is, uh, that's a huge part of the relational mix. Like you jamming with them on figuring out what the topic is, is a part of how you're building a relationship with that person. Sometimes you do it right before you do the interview itself. Sometimes I've seen people schedule, you know, separate calls to just talk about what the topic of the content's going to be, but that is great relationship bonding time. This person mm. was a stranger 6 days ago. Now you're on a call with them talking about what are the elements of event planning that really that where they've seen a lot of success, get them to hone it down to a very specific thing and then you're getting excited as the, as the host of the show, because it's like, Oh man, we've never talked about this before. And because you've done 30 other interviews, you now know a thing or two about even planning yourself. So now you're, you're bouncing. Oh, like, Oh, and what about this? Oh, and I bet that that has a huge impact on this, this, and this. So now there it's it like, if you're really in it and you're really engaged and you're really excited, um, they're going to feel that and they're going to want to work with you. So you can imagine like you do that, collaboration on the front end to figure out the topic. You jump on another call to actually do the interview. You've got your outline, you know, the five or six questions you're going to ask related to what you've already talked about, You've made them look awesome. And uh, then you produce the episode, you make it all fancy. You put it up on Apple podcasts and Spotify. They've probably never been on a podcast before. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so now they've got something to share they almost, like, there's this feeling of like, they're almost feeling indebted to you. Like you've done so much for me. This is, this has been so fun. Um, and then at the end of it, you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm actually a speaker myself. If, if you're ever looking for speakers, you know, let's, let's reconnect and let's talk. Well, it, it, it's not this pushy thing. It's, it's not, you know, like, Oh, well, I'll, I'll make sure your episode goes live if you end up hiring me. Um, or, you know, it, like <laughs> right. it, it's, it's, it's nothing like that. Um, it, it's just a natural byproduct of the friendship that you formed and then educating them about what you do and how you make a living. And it's probably going to naturally come up anyway over the course right. of you know, the, the couple conversations that we've had with them. Um, and then the real magic, Dan, is doing a second collaboration with that person. So I've found that doing, uh, doing the first one is great, but it takes it from a one-off event to an actual friendship whenever you have a second collaboration 
you can do those in a lot of different ways. Some people, like I've done it to where I've met up with people in person. So we've had, you know, seven or eight guests in Salt Lake City. And so I'll get on a plane and I'll go to Salt Lake City and organize a dinner um, or I'll go to Boston and do the same thing. Um, mm -hmm. But I, it's easier and more scalable, honestly, if you just do another digital collaboration like this on Zoom or you know, Google Hangouts or whatever, record the conversation. Uh, maybe it's a different format. Maybe you did a podcast interview with them before. This time you're just doing a roundup blog post. So it's maybe a shorter conversation, but, yeah. but it's talking to them again, which then reinforces the relationship. And I'm telling you, Dan, like for authors that <laughs> their bread and butter is conference organizers asking them to speak at conferences. If they do a podcast interviewing conference organizers, they're, you got to be real bad at what you do to not get uh, a, a lot of speaking gigs yeah, deploying yeah. this strategy. All right. Uh, since somebody's done it, I'm going to steal it. Um, <laughs> I want that. No, that's awesome. Uh, so James, how important is the platform? You've mentioned blog, you've mentioned video, you've mentioned podcasting. Now, obviously Sweetfish Media has this podcasting uh, yep. service, Yeah. but how, like, that's not all you do. Yep. So how important is platform and how you choose that? Man, I, I, I think, um, honestly, I, I just don't care. Like it, I, I just want people creating content with other people and, and building relationships. And if, and if podcasting is more comfortable for you, cause you don't like the way your nose looks, do podcasting. Um, yeah. If, if you're not, you know, if, if you're not super comfortable with your voice or you think you have a whiny voice, like do, you know, do conversations with people and then turn those into, you know, blog posts, um, virtual summits work. I've seen companies do this with documentaries where they, you know, they've got more budget. And so they go and do this big elaborate and spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on a documentary. And then you look at the people featured in that documentary and it's like, Oh, that's 17 fortune 500 CEOs that they've just featured in this documentary. <laughs> Wonder if they're going to end up doing business with them. <laughs> Probably so. Um, yeah. So like, so you can do it in a wide variety of ways. Uh, the fact that we are, you know, that we're a podcast company um, to me is like, great. If you decide to do podcasts, awesome. Maybe we can help. Um, but, uh, but I, I absolutely don't think uh, that, that there's, that there's just one, platform. I, I think in today's world, it's smart for you to do video, you know, the more ands that you can put on there, if you can do video and audio and written, um, then the better. Uh, but uh, understanding that a lot of the people that flock to this kind of message are in an early stage business and they don't necessarily have the, the resources to do that. Um, just start, start with the one that you're most comfortable with. It almost sounds like it's a byproduct to work with you. Whereas the bigger picture is collaboration and yep. just creating amazing content for us all. Yeah. Yeah. And the, 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 I was just talking about this earlier today with somebody, um, you know, we have a lot of people that, that they, they come on to work with us and because we've got, you know, there's, there's a couple different ways folks work with us. We've got our own shows so you can co-host a show that we own and we do the video and the social and we do everything for it because we've got aligned interests because it's actually our show. So of course we want to do all the work that it takes to promote the show. Then we've got this other service where it's this done for you thing where it's your show, but we're doing, you know, we're doing all we're doing the guest prospecting. We're doing all that stuff for you. And I've noticed that, uh, when, when folks come into it thinking like, Oh, we're hiring this company so that they can do it for us. It, they excuse themselves of putting in any of any of the work that needs to happen to actually make it a valuable collaboration. 
So they're yeah. not doing any guest research. They're not thoughtful about the questions they ask. They're just like, you know, rattling off the three questions that maybe our producer helped them come up with or, uh, and, and it's like, man, like if you want to get value from this at some level, you got to put some skin in the game because that's what people like people, this is a human to human thing. It's not just like you can outsource it. So a lot of it, we've obviously built our business around being able to do a lot of the operational things to execute this strategy. But, uh, it's almost, it's, it's almost scary to me too when people just want to out like, oh yeah, we'll outsource it because then there's no investment on their part and right. I can almost guarantee it's not going to see results. Yeah. And, and so you're in this podcast world. Uh, how big is this idea of being a guest then as well and being that thought leader out in the world? I mean, I, so I used to work for an agency that yeah. helped do that yep. and I love the idea, but like you're talking about doing your own, your own show. Yeah. Like, is, is it an either or situation? Can you do both? Yeah, I do both. I mean, I co-host, I co-host B2B growth and then I'll, I've got three podcast interviews today that I'm doing on other people's shows. So, so I, I don't think it's an either or thing. Um, I, I think it's a both thing. Uh, I, I what the one thing I love about it, it, it's so like the the benefits of content-based networking are so crazy because I, you know, I obviously wrote this book. So I'm like, Hey, I want to do, I want to do collaborations with uh, LinkedIn micro influencers that have more than 3000 followers that are producing content on a regular basis. And I want to be on a lot of podcasts because I know people listening to podcasts are probably going to resonate with the message of the book to do those things. It's very easy for me to go to a, a podcast, uh, host that I want to be on and say, Hey, let's hop on an hour long zoom. We'll do 30 minutes, an interview for your show, 30 minutes, an interview for my show. Mm. Because when you have a show yourself, you having storytellers network, you have an asset that is actually valuable to someone. So if you write, you know, write a book, you're wanting to promote that book on other podcasts, it's not necessarily your primary goal. Your primary goal is you want to speak at conferences, but a secondary goal is you want to promote your book and get it in front of as many people as you, as you can. And a way to do that is to go on a podcast tour. And when you have your own show, you've got a lot more leverage because you're not just asking someone to be a guest on their show. You're saying, Hey, I want to feature you on my show and let's just do an hour long call and we could kind of guest swap and be on each other's shows. And especially if you have, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that we ranked for the keyword B2B in Apple podcasts. So our show gets downloaded over a hundred thousand times a month, which is a lot of leverage. And so when I'm going to somebody, it's, it's, it just becomes a very tangible asset for me to be able to, uh, capitalize on when I say, Hey, hey we'll have you on B2B growth and then I'll do a video for your LinkedIn following. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's mutually beneficial in that way. Uh, but it's, 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 it's content-based networking just slightly, you know, you, just with a, with a different goal. Yeah. I, I just, I just think it's so cool to be able to collaborate like that. Like what an amazing, and I, I mean, just feel good. It, man. Like you're, you've I see in Apple podcasts, like you're, you're a part of multiple shows. So yeah. like, you're see, you're seeing the benefits of this stuff firsthand. hundred percent. I just like to hear somebody else say it. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and, and I love, you know, like, so I, like, I, I didn't even think about this until just now, but, um, I helped produce, create a, a show for a nonprofit that is helping to spread hope and healing and learning for victims of violence, domestic yeah. violence, sexual abuse, this kind of thing. And, and, and it is, it's collaborative when we work with yeah. other partners out there doing the same kind of work, it creates this network and it creates good and it just brings good to the world. Yep. 
right? Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, I, I think that example where where I think a lot of people would go with, okay, we've got this nonprofit doing this really compelling thing. Um, uh, I, I've got I've got some friends that have done this. They they have a tendency toward um, making the show about that thing but for nonprofits maybe maybe you do have a show that's about your cause but i think a, an interesting twist on that to, would be who like who are our donors um our donors are philanthropic um uh, they are purpose-driven entrepreneurs um what if we had a show called the purpose-driven entrepreneur or the purpose-driven executive and we went and interviewed entrepreneurs that could potentially fund our nonprofit. So it has nothing to do with us, but it has everything to do with the needle we're trying to move. Because the reality is, man, you know this, growing, a, growing an audience is freaking hard. And yes. so getting enough, prop, like getting enough listeners to a show about this nonprofit to actually move the needle when it comes to like getting more funding, which I would imagine is like a big part of why they're wanting to do a podcast is to create awareness so that people would, you know, write more checks so that they could continue right. in the great work, work that they're doing. But if you just flip it a little bit and go, no, what if we actually created content with the people that can fund us? It changes the entire focus of the show, but it actually maps much more directly to the result that you're trying to get. Yep. Oh man. Huge, huge knowledge bombs. I love it. James. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for those. Um, so, so you're obviously very good at storytelling and you're, and you're compelling. What do you find challenging about storytelling today? Oh man, what is challenging about storytelling? Communication is hard, man. And I, and I think, um, repetition, uh, and, and doing, being okay with sucking at it for a while. Mm. I, I'll be just real, like super honest. The version of the TEDx talk that you saw, Dan, was a edited version because I whiffed in the middle of that talk and completely blanked. I had practiced that talk a hundred times. I'd written the script. I said it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Thought it was going to be on autopilot. I got up on that stage and halfway through, I just had the biggest brain fart I've ever had in my entire life mm -hmm. and uh, had to pull out my phone out of my pocket, scroll through my note on my phone that had the script on it and like catch where I was. It was probably the most embarrassing moment in my entire life. Um, because of that, I learned that my approach to speaking on stages probably needs to be a little bit different. I either don't need to memorize a script or I need to do more Q and a stuff where I'm having people ask me questions about content as opposed to me feeling like I need to memorize this, this script. Obviously that wouldn't have worked for a TEDx, but as I've been asked to do other speaking engagements, based on that experience, because I did the work and got the rep in and failed, I was okay with failing. Mm -hmm. Now learned that my type of storytelling might need to be a little bit different because to, to amplify my strengths. You asked me a question, I could ramble for like, I could ramble for 10 minutes and a lot of it would probably be pretty good because of that, because I've done 1200 podcast interviews that <laughs> makes sense that like, oh, that's, that's a style that works for me but yeah. somebody else might crush a TEDx talk and do 10 times better than I do because they spent 10 years in corporate America preparing pitch decks for you know for customers or investors or or you know board meetings and I don't have that experience I didn't put in the work so 
I, I think, uh, I think actually going in and like sets and reps and like just doing it over and over and over and figuring out like, what is my, what is the type of storytelling that makes me come alive that I'm good at? Um, and then putting in the work to get great at it. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I saw a um, a tweet from a, a guy that I follow, a friend of mine, Christopher Lockhead, yeah. who asked about uh, is is talent false? Is talent a, a myth, mm. or is it just hard work? You know, is is yep. um, was it uh, Stephen, who's the Golden Warriors player? Oh yeah, Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Um, yep. You know, is is he just that talented, or has he put in the work that you're not willing to put in? And I was like, man, that's a great question. That work is so important. I don't think it's an either or situation. I think there is God given talent that we have. Like I'll never be Jack Johnson (laughs) to the country. Right. Yeah. But could I get better at music? Yes. Yeah. Could I improve my singing? Probably. I I am tone deaf, so we'll see. But, (laughs) but I, you know, there's, there's talent, but then there's also that hard work that you just talked about. You seem to be a natural storyteller, but because you failed, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Cause that's huge. Like, I see a TEDx talk and I'm like, well, this guy's awesome. Yeah. But the fact that you had to pull your phone out in the middle of that talk, like, okay, I don't have to worry quite so much. Yep. Um, but like you have to put in that work. Absolutely. Yeah. Even if you're talented, you got to put in that work. Yep. So that's I awesome. Totally agree. Totally that's agree. a great, great encouragement. Yeah. I think it's something that uh, is being talked about more now than I think it has been in the past, but man, it's just, you're going to be hard pressed to find, to find anybody that's achieved anything that you like aspire to achieve that hasn't put in an enormous amount of work. Right. So that's, that's kind of a, an embarrassing moment. That's a stumble for you. Um, yeah. but I, I see you as somebody, James, who's made it. You've got a book, you've got TEDx talks, you've got this company that you run, you've hung out with Barry Sanders <laughs> serendipitously, but still right. Yeah. Um, right. Like, like you've kind of made it probably in a lot of people's eyes. Do you think that you've made it? Yeah. It's funny. I was just, we were just talking about this at lunch. I would consider myself to be a successful entrepreneur because of how I define success. Okay. Um, I, I think I was just reading a book by Rand Fishkin called Lost and Founder. And Love that, that book. Yeah. He, and, and I think Rand um, would say that at least the, the, the definition of success that he ascribed to was a lot of what Silicon Valley pushes, which is like you've exited a company. And so he tells a story in the book about how hub, you know, he, he turned down the HubSpot acquisition of like $25 million or something. Mm-hmm. And so much of why he, you know, wishes he would have done that is because it would have been the stamp on, Oh, you're a successful entrepreneur because you've exited. I don't know that I'll ever exit my business. Um, I think we're making some really smart decisions and going in some really smart directions that would make us a really uh, strategic acquisition for companies like Spotify or, you know, companies in the audio space. Um, but that's not at all. Like I'm not, you know, optimizing the business right now to get acquired. Uh, I define being a successful entrepreneur because I get to own a business instead of having a business that owns me. So I wake up every day and I do what I, what I want to do. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, editing audio and I'm not writing the, the blog content associated with the, with the episodes. I'm only doing the work I want to do. I'm doing a lot of these kind of conversations where I'm promoting the book. Um, I'm doing a lot of leadership stuff with our leadership team, uh, casting vision, sharing direction of where I think we need to go, new products and stuff that we can incorporate into what we're doing. Um, but 
that to me is is success. I'm making a, a very good living, paying you know paying myself a salary that I've never been able to pay myself before. Um, and so, because I define success in that way, success for me is freedom um, and autonomy and um, flexibility. I think is is probably a really good word for how I define entrepreneurial success. So, mm-hmm. because of the way I define it, now that not might not be how everybody defines it. There might be sure. some people that say, you know, the, the, a lot of what Silicon Valley would say, well, sweet, you know, Sweetfish is this lifestyle business that's not going to sell. Um, I would argue and say we, do, we, we are going to have enterprise value and we're building the business in such a way that it will. But right now, it, it really doesn't. Um, and so some people would say, well, you're, you're not like, you're not successful at all, but it, it's just depends on what your definition of success is. And, and mm-hmm. the fact that I get to wake up every day, make a great living doing exactly what I want to do, um, is, uh, is to me why, I, why I think I'm a success. Mm-hmm. I love that definition. That's a great way to look at making it, um, for the storytellers just starting out or those who've been doing it for a while. Like that's a great way to define your rules and, yeah. and live those out. So yep. Exactly. That's great stuff, James. And I appreciate the time today. I'm going to get to my last question here in a minute, yeah. <clears throat> uh, but I want to make sure everybody can connect with you. Um, I'm going to put links in the show notes, everything that I've found, but where do you send people to connect with you or the book or the company or everything? Yeah. So, uh, so you can, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, James Carberry, C-A-R-B-A-R-Y. Uh, the book is on Amazon or Audible. If you're listening to this, you probably like audio content. Mm-hmm. And so you can, uh, you can just search my name or content-based networking on Audible or Amazon and check out the book there. Put my phone number in the back of that book. So if, uh, if you're wanting to jam on ideas for like, hey, how could I execute this? Or how can my business execute this? Or I've got this side project that I'm thinking about doing. Um, text me. My number's in the back of the book. I would love to, it's been really fun. And the, just the few weeks that the book's been live, getting those questions coming in and being able to feel like I'm, you know, able to add some value on top of the book because I'm able to give context to their situation. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so check out the book, uh, shoot me a text, connect with me on LinkedIn company is sweetfishmedia.com. So you can find what we're doing doing uh for for some other brands and for some other shows that we run ourselves uh at sweetfishmedia.com but thanks for giving me that opportunity man i appreciate it yeah of course put those links in the, in the show notes so james uh you are a storyteller it's it's in you innately but if somebody were to tell you you can no longer professionally be a storyteller what would your last story look like that you'd want to leave behind oh, man i think my la- the last story i i think would would be the story of jesus um i'm a i'm a christian um, and, uh, and would want, uh, would want that to be the kind of the mark that I would leave, um, is the redemptive hope in Jesus and, and, uh, and, and the eternity, uh, that we can spend with him by giving our lives to him. And, uh, and so that would be, that would be the closing story, the story mm-hmm. of the gospel. Inspiring, man. Great stuff. Thank you for making time today. Thank you for sharing your personal story and, uh, yeah, just thank you, man. Thank you so much, Dan. I really, I, I love, uh, love getting the opportunity to, to share with your audience. And seriously, if there's anybody listening to this that wants to connect, um, I, I, lo- I mean, obviously wrote a whole book about relationships. So I love relationships. Love right. people, so but, uh, would welcome anybody hearing this to, to reach out and connect. Awesome. 
Once again, James Carberry, thank you so much, my friend. Uh, you can connect with James at the links in the show notes, the ones that he mentioned and more. And if you enjoyed the episode, please consider sharing it with someone who could benefit from it. Story is huge and we can change the world through stories together. And if you want to share your story with me, go to the storytellersnetwork.com to connect with me there or email me directly, dan at the storytellersnetwork.com. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Cheers.